Hello, everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of Performing the Arts. My name is Brian M. Davis. I am your host of this lovely podcast, and joining me today is... Danielle Boyvin. Hi. Danielle is a singer slash songwriter in New York City, and today she is going to talk about her, well, performing her experiences as a singer and songwriter in New York. So, Danielle, uh, Danny, uh, tell me, how did you, what is your background in the performing arts? Yes, so um, when I was young, I would do plays at community theater. Um, a lot of those things were musicals. Um, so I was really able to get a sense of loving music and acting as well. I majored in acting performance at the University of Michigan. And it wasn't till I came to New York that I really started getting into songwriting. And I kind of fell into that by working at this very artistic coffee shop where I met some very incredible collaborators. And they asked me to be like a part of their performances. Um, one of my friends in particular, Carlos, uh, is one of the house band members at the Stonewall. Oh, really? And, yeah, and he asked me to be a part of that band and that experience. And I loved that we started by covers and singing some of his original music. And he really liked a lot of the poetry that I used to write and that I do still write. And he told me, he was like, I think that these would be really good lyrics. And so we started collaborating in songwriting as well. I've always loved writing, um, but it's always been in the form of prose or poetry. I never really went over into songwriting until I came to New York. And that was a very cathartic and cool experience being a part of that house band and starting from there. So you are originally from Michigan, right? Or? Oh, I went to school in Michigan. I'm originally from okay. Louis, yes. Okay, so how was it from being in school from Michigan, especially, essentially from being, I guess, uh, college and stuff like that, from that sort of thing, and then sort of doing, essentially jumping into New York City lifestyle, which is so, it, it's hard to, do, to digest what a New York lifestyle is, because it, it varies from time to time. Definitely. Because there, is, because there is no definitive New York's lifestyle. What you see is literally what you get sometimes. You know, you could watch exactly. Sex and the City. You could literally watch Sex and the City. It's like, oh, that's New York's lifestyle. Or you could watch um, uh, The Sopranos and say, well, you know, what? that's kind of like a New York lifestyle <laughs> for, for, well, for people from Jersey. But, you know, so how did you essentially handle from not only living in, you know, from essentially college town into, yeah, into essentially a, a metropolitan city like New York? Right. It was, it was very interesting. Um, I definitely had a lot of culture shock when I first got here. There was just so many people, which is one of my favorite things about the city. And I got very lucky. I met some really incredible roommates that were native to New York and kind of were able to like show me the ropes. And that was infinitely helpful. Um, 
going back to what you're saying about the different types of like New York lifestyles, I think that's so true. The city really is you get what you put in and sorry, my phone just went a little weird. Um, you get what you put into it and there's so many, you can like walk 10 blocks one way or another way. And it's just a completely different vibe and there's just so much culture everywhere you go which is also one of my favorite things about that city this city and the transition was definitely it took me about a week or so to really acclimate myself to like the subway system and how fast-paced everything was but I, I really loved it I kind of felt like I could move at the pace that I always wanted to be moving at which I really appreciated so now that you're living in New York City, uh, how much of the arts in New York City did you start experiencing? Like, did you just start going to, hey, I want to go to uh, Metropolitan uh, Museum of Art. Can I go there? It was like, and then, you know, can I go to Museum of National History? It was like, like, was it like a slow burn, like upon arriving? Or was it just like, hey, I'll just do this first <laughs> and then maybe I'll do this sometime other time? Or was it just like, Oh, I, I, I threw myself in. I love museums. Uh, the Museum of Natural History is one of my favorite places in the city. I actually, I used to live quite close to there, um, but I would go there like once a month just to like, you know, check in on it, see how it's doing. Um, I love to learn. I love history. And so I would always be, especially at the museums, but I would really try to throw myself into as much art as possible. That's really why I moved here. And I've been here about five and a half years now. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. And I'm Con still- Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Um, I'm still finding new things that are just constantly inspiring me. And that definitely has slowed down since COVID. Um, yeah. You know, self-quarantine, self-isolation, but I still find that there is so much art and heart to the city, just like how strong the people are and just listening to people playing saxophone outside while I'm on my fire escape, finding art in those moments as well. Yeah, uh, one of the beautiful things about living in New York City is the subways. And well, I'll, I'll say that like kind of like divisively, one of the beautiful things about New York City is the subway. and when you go on a subway, chances are you'll probably see like a busker, uh, what's a busker, uh, a busker, uh, like a music band essentially yeah. playing, uh, a music band playing maybe Grand Central or 42nd, you know, they have their little thing, that sort of thing. So yeah, and uh, once you, and, and once you get, you know, engross yourself like maybe for like a minute or two, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, in a, uh, like the New York beat almost of listening to what and if, if you ever hear if you ever want to hear what like a New York like heartbeat would be it would probably be like the the drums of people in the subway just doing what they would be doing you know it's like that sort yeah. of thing. it's something uh, that I definitely miss a lot about um, you know being in quarantine and in one spot I really do miss that that heartbeat of the city through because really I feel that music is the heartbeat of the city yeah. And speaking of music, how, I know you just, you mentioned that Carlos was, uh, your friend Carlos 
is part of Stonewall. How did that actually come about? Because I know Stonewall is like a very is a it's a very famous place. And yeah, and and do you perform there? Well, I'm not sure if they still do it now because of, you know the quarantine and stuff like that. Especially yes. since. It, but in your experience, like, how did you start performing at Stonewall, and like, how was that like? Uh, how was that essentially experience for you in the first time to like say like up team time, whereas it's like, eh, it's a number, another Friday night. <laughs> right. Um, so now that because of quarantine, we have been doing Zoom performances and Instagram live performances uh, for the Stonewall Inn, which has been amazing. Um, Carlos and I, we were both baristas at this little hip coffee shop and we would talk about music and then from there he asked me to perform with him the first time i was very nervous i was like this is like this is a big deal this is a very important place and it was one of the most supportive atmospheres i think that i have ever been a part of uh mm -hmm. carlos had already been performing there for about six months probably um and so i just kind of got swept right in and it's it's definitely one of the most beautiful supportive places and stages it's great to also workshop new songs and new ideas and so you see all of these artists who are sometimes showing their work for the first time which can be very magical seeing that and then seeing that process we perform once a month there uh, whether it be online now or in person and it's every time every time it's just very exciting you never know who you're going to get, who's going to be in the lineup, uh, the people that are going to show up. And so it's always, it's always very exciting. Hmm. In terms of your music, uh, lyrically, do you usually focus on like a certain theme or is it just like different songs, different themes or sort of like the same thing? It's different themes, definitely. I am very drawn to the idea that you can never fully understand another human being, that we all have a million different worlds inside of our heads. Um, but it's so exciting to try, even though you know you'll never get there. That's one of the themes that makes me the most excited about music and about humanity. And so I do find that that theme guides my work a lot. I'm also very inspired by literary characters as well and what they might be going through, like, musically like I wrote a song one time inspired by Arya Stark from Game of Thrones and it was probably nice. one of the most things I've ever written um, but yes I do really like to write about the fact that a human can never fully know themselves and how exciting that is that we're constantly learning and growing. Now you just mentioned inspirations uh, are there any other inspirations that you have in terms of acting and or Musically, you know, in acting for me, it's you know Gary Goldman or Christopher Walken. If I was a, if I was a musician, I would probably I would probably be influenced by you know bands like The Who or Pink Floyd or Metallica or stuff like that. But as an actress and singer, like who are your inspirations in terms of like that sort of thing? Yes, um, so I am very. Um, inspired by like Amy Winehouse, Janelle Monet, um, and Peggy Lee um, for that very like jazzy kind of style. Um, and all three of them kind of like lean into that. And like, so I'm, those are three of 
my big musical inspirations. Um, as far as acting, I there's so many actors that I love, and I don't know if I can pick just one that's like a full inspiration for me. Um, because stylistically, I feel that with music, I can kind of tune into like, oh, this is the style that I'm going for. Um, but with acting, it's more, you know, you already have the script laid out for you. And so for that, I always try to dig deep into the genre, more so than maybe a specific actor or actress. There's, just, oh, there's so many good ones. Uh, so tell me, in your experiences as an actress, especially in New York, mm -hmm. uh, and then coming from uh, uh, from where you originally were in your college town, like, how was it production-wise? Like, is, was it a, like a tonal sh a shift between how the, how, how, the productions were essentially, or, or were you kind of like used to a production just being like, essentially being generally about the same, but each production were, was more unique in its own way because the way people were behind the, uh, the yeah. set. Um, I think that every production that I've done has been different. So I don't know if that I can say like, oh, school productions, like we're all one thing versus New York productions, because even in school, a lot of the directors were vastly, vastly different and had very different opinions and would let you know how different their opinions were than the others. Mm. Um, and so it was very different. Like each production there was very different. And much like the way that each production that I've done here has been very different as well. Um, I've been really lucky to work with some very cool directors, all different genres. Like I've done some like really deep dramas. I've done um, some comedies and like all these sci-fi. And everyone does have a different method of getting the project to go where they want it to go. But it always ends up in the same place of like mutual respect between the creators. And that's, I've been very lucky there. Uh, in terms of, and this is a good thing why I'm recording this and I could easily edit all this stuff out, but so I don't, <laughs> so all these gaps are like, in terms of being, ah, okay. So since you've been a New Yorker for five years, five, almost like six years now, what has your, uh, have you kind of like adjusted, like, do you have like a favorite theater to go to and in, in terms of actually not like an actual like theater theater but like a favorite theater in terms of like to perform because i know you probably because i know you probably a, perform. oh yeah that's a very interesting question um i don't actually have an answer to that um that's a very interesting question um i've performed in like you know straight up theaters um, and like more of a black box style and also like in different bars and clubs. Um, so, oh man, I don't really have an answer to what my favorite theater to perform in and what my favorite type of space to perform in. Um, I guess, I hang on, I guess to rephrase the question, like what type of theater space do you like to perform in? You like black box, proscenium, like an actual, like a whole big stage, or what do you, what do you just like being more self-contained? Right. Like, 
that's what I was are, trying to. That's why I was trying to like uh, ask, but the way I was asking, I was like, "What? Well, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I do love Black Box Theater. I love how intimate it is, and I love just the type of scripts that typically end up in Black Box Theaters. I find really cool. I love intimate theater. I love simple, minimalistic set. So I think that if I had to choose Black Box, it'd be my favorite to perform in. Yeah, I've done Black Box most of the time when I was a student at BMCC, and BMCC has a great Black Box theater. And, mm -hmm. and Brooklyn College had, I believe, a nice Black Box theater, but I didn't really use it that much because the Black Box theater was being refurbished, so... Mm -hmm. It was being refurbished the previous semester and it was help and my class was actually helping, you know, refurbishing all that stuff. And by the time we got into the new semester, COVID happened and we couldn't really use it use it that much. And right. and there was there was another like space that was like more like a studio space that was like more like a, almost like a uh like a not ballroom, but it was more like a, a ballerina type of uh, space where it's like uh like yes. a dance, a dance studio. So, yeah, I honestly do like the the more self-contained of a black box because a black box actually allows you to be more like natural and be more mindful of what's happening in front of you. Because if you're on a, like a big stage, a regular stage, like you have a lot more creative experience, but you have to really shout your lines. But if you're in a black box. You can easily talk at room volume, which is what I'm probably doing right now. Yeah. And people, people will still hear you and people and every, everything will still come across. Everything will still come across, you know, just naturally as opposed right. to just, as opposed to just being on, you know, a big stage and whatnot. But yeah, right. I do agree. I do agree that being on a black box has a lot more of an impact than say, you know, uh, a regular stage or even something that's more outdoors. And mm -hmm. and uh, speaking of outdoors, have you performed outdoors? Um, I have done many shows, like um, reviews, like musical reviews, but I've never done a like a full show outdoors. Hmm. When you say musical reviews, do you mean like? Uh, like reviewing a, a a show, like reviewing outside, you know, like hey, I, you know, we saw uh, Hamilton. Let's and and then we'd be talking about like what Hamilton and, and talking about that. Or do you mean like? Oh, more like um, like musical numbers from different shows for like. Oh, okay. That yes. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. D -d don't worry, I, I got my questions. Hang on. Uh. And so, as of right now, you're, as I said, close to six years in New York City. Mm -hmm. Have you had your defining moment yet, or are you still kind of making your way towards that? Oh, I don't know. Um, by defining moment, I think that it's come in a lot of different moments. Um, I don't know that there really is like for me uh defining moments but more smaller 
moments that kind of create a defining moment like like perceive the world so I would say more I've definitely had little moments that slowly have made me realize oh I I, I fit in here this this works for me uh, one of the best things about uh, about that is that sometimes I'm not sure if you probably had these type of moments where uh, you know a show like this is something I never actually thought of actually doing. You know, I never actually thought of doing a uh, a yeah. show like this. A show like this, especially in this sort of state, especially in this sort of stage. But a mm -hmm. defining moment for me was I was coming home back from work on my on the subway back home, and I had one of those subway epiphanies. So in a way, that was a defining moment for me. So yeah, I do ag agree that there are like these tiny moments that feel right for you in terms of hey you're on the right path yeah you're on the right path but all that stuff you know you're on the right path but it's sort of like very step by step by step stuff mm -hmm. uh, exactly. uh, in your opinion and I, this is something i uh, that has been on my mind because of what's been happening with uh, the COVID-19 stuff and all that stuff. Uh, how much of theater is going to be changing within the next couple of years because of that? Because I know, right. and, and a lot of my other guests have been saying different, uh, different opinions, but mm -hmm. it's a question that, you know, it has to be asked because, you know. Of course, yeah. Because each question would always give a different answer. You know, some people say, oh, yeah, probably, you know, you know, in a couple of years, you'll probably be, uh, be, you know, be back to normal, but. I definitely don't think that live theater will be going away forever. Um, our history is very much like shown that, you know, through plagues and through different things like that, like we always find our way back to live theater, of course. However, I do think there is a wonderful opportunity to make shows on Zoom or different platforms more accessible to the public and hopefully at a much more affordable rate than what is currently the norm. So I think that we can still have live shows, of course, but I think that also adding on online shows to people who maybe are not in a big city with a lot of art or who like need to be homebound for some reason can still access that and I think that that's something that I've seen a lot of you know innovative people do I've seen you know some online stand-up comedy shows recently um, a lot of my friends that are, are in that scene and yeah, Dave, Dave Chappelle just did a recent comedy special and he basically did almost online but and it was also social distancing too so yeah yes exactly and I think that that is something that should not go away. I think that everything theater-wise will come back, but to get rid of also the online experience, I think would be the wrong thing to do. I think we should have both. Uh, in your experience already, uh, how is it actually performing online in terms of like a Zoom performance thing, whereas, or even an Instagram live performance? like? There's still a there's still like technical technical well there's still technical difficulties because you know if you're streaming 
you, you know, if you're streaming and whatnot, you know, it's internet, uh, internet might be a little laggy, that sort of thing, you know, <laughs> you can't, you know, lightning, I mean, not lightning, like lightning, that sort <laughs> of, of thing. Yeah, in your, yeah, sorry. No, you're good, continue. In your experience, or rather for the past, like say, however long you've been doing this, like, could you see Zoom slash social media uh, live performances continuing on? Or do you see like a drop off after like say, a year or two? I definitely think that they should continue on. I think that right now everything is so new. And so, you know, we're going to have a lot more issues with that. And I'm definitely not saying that live performance should suffer either. I, I don't think that it will. I think that this could be something in addition to live performances that people could do uh, to reach, you know, communities that aren't able to afford live theater or, you know, small rural towns. I think that that's something that could be very beneficial. Uh, to everyone. I think the more possible ways we can make music and theater accessible, the better. Uh, in terms of that, in terms of that, do you think, even though these are very accessible uh, ways of actually seeing, you know, people have Instagram, well, a lot of people will have Instagram, but sometimes, you know, Sooner or later, and I'm not putting this out in the, in the world or anything, but sooner or later, uh, you know, they might actually, you know, people might actually stop paying people saying, hey, if you want to see this performance, you know, give us like a ticket link or something like that. And then you will get like a private Instagram link that would essentially. Yes, uh, that's actually what we've been doing, um, not on Instagram, but on Zoom. A lot of live performances are you have to pay to get in and pay to get a ticket to get the link to get inside. And they actually have a stage manager, I guess a Zoom manager, who lets people in and who tracks who has a ticket and who doesn't and who takes care of muting the audience if they're being too rowdy. Uh, yes, that's definitely something that's been happening. Uh, could you actually explain more of that process if you can? Or is it just basically, um, or is it just basically what you just said? People just come in, have the ticket, almost like as if you could just be a show. It's like people come in, the stage manager gets the ticket, they sit down, sort of, and then they just watch the show and they get to rally your booth. Exactly. Um, so I've actually seen on some shows people who have been rowdy and then they get muted and then they unmute themselves and they get rowdy and they get kicked out of the link. Mm. And like they give like a speech beforehand, much like live theater about you know you can't be rowdy if you like we'd love to hear your laughs but if you are going to be rowdy or try to heckle we will be kicked out much like how that would happen in a real live show and ticket tickets are a bit cheaper um because it is online and you don't get that interperson connection that you normally would have but it's it's been really good for um different venues to help them pay their rent and stay open uh, so that we can in, a live show again, hopefully very soon. In terms of the Zoom performances that you have done, have they been plays or or musical performances or both? The ones I've been doing have been musical performances. However, I do oh, know okay. some people have been doing play readings as well. 
because I know the play ratings have been getting a lot more traction on YouTube, especially since uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of famous actors have been doing a lot of like uh, charitable donations, that sort of thing, and been essentially doing something like this, a a Zoom related uh, call that essentially allows them to meet over a, a famous Shakespeare play or something like that and do like, you know, Mm-hmm. Something that in fact, uh, yeah, that's actually very interesting. Essentially, how you're still able to perform, you're still able to essentially sing your songs or perform your songs, I should say, mm-hmm. and still get an audience. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting how essentially how much of the technology has changed especially mm-hmm. for theater yeah especially especially now that we're in uh, since 2020 and you know 30 years ago and what was it uh 1990 oh my god 1990s 30 years ago Jesus. Uh, i'm <laughs> sorry sorry for cursing but uh but yeah 30 years ago the closest way you could actually get something like that was probably finding a bootleg video on the street and it was always a 95% chance of someone actually having that bootleg read. It was like, oh, do you have the new Batman movie? And they'll give you Batman. And yeah. then when you go home, and then when you go home, it's Batman, but it is Batman from like 1969. I mean, 19, it's like the, uh, the, the Adam West Batman. It's like, oh, you yeah. were swindled. So yeah, it, it's interesting how technology has, especially nowadays where it's like, a lot of people have frowned upon bro I mean uh, a lot of people in Broadway have frowned upon like bootleg copies or bootle- uh, Broadway bootlegs I think that's what it's called and mm-hmm. and uh, and it's actually pretty amazing how or rather ironic how now people are actually using that notion of video performance like this to actually bring a uh, a play or musical or even a performance like you know a rock performance or stuff like that to life because, right and i'm oh, sorry no no because you know people still need to be people still need to be entertained there still need to be revenue that sort of thing but i just found i i just find it kind of amazing but also ironic how you know oh yeah don't you know do not film inside the theater while the you know the play ha- is going on and I, and I and I worked as an usher, so I could tell you, you know, people would not be would still be using their phone just as the curtain be closing, or you know, that sort yeah. of thing. And, and I would say that it really comes down to consent of the artist. Obviously, when they are on stage on Broadway, they're not consenting to have their performance taken and put online. However, with this, this is an artist actively choosing to share their art through this medium. So I don't know that I would necessarily compare the two as it does kind of come down to the consent of the artist and what they are choosing to share with who they're choosing to share it with uh and you feel totally and you feel totally comfortable just feeling uh, just for someone like me to share your essentially views and artistry like this onto, of course, a pla- <laughs> onto a platform like for youtube you know and this is something that's you know i'm just this is something that's probably going to be like, you know, uh, that's just going to be like, 
hey, this is just something I'm just doing for a couple of weeks. And then over the next few weeks or so, it's like I'll be releasing these episodes one after another, maybe twice on one day, that sort of thing, depending on, you know, if I feel like, hey, I need to fill up, up another quarter or not, that sort of thing. But yeah, in, ter in terms of just... In, in terms of just like social media, how well do you think social media has been a factor into essentially, I, I want to say it's been helping uh, the entertainment industry a bit since the, the lockdown. Absolutely. Uh, so do you still see social media still being like this? Uh, especially if it, everything goes back to uh everything goes back to normal ish or normal ish and people start going back to productions that sort of thing do you mm -hmm. still see this sort of thing still happening where it's like people could go on zoom and do a performance like this where it's like they want to do uh, hamlet or something like that they want to read hamlet that sort of thing and people will pay like you know 10 15 dollars just to see you know, Patrick Stewart, Hel Helen Mirren, and a lot of other people just doing Hamlet, that sort of thing. And uh, I do, yes. I do think that, um, obviously, I hope and I do believe that live theater is still going to flourish. Absolutely. And there's nothing that will really replaces live theater. It's something that's so unique and so special, um, whether that be music performances, plays, what have you. It's so unique and beautiful. Um, but I do think that having another medium to let artists showcase their art um, is also wonderful. I don't think they, these two things have to be competing with each other. Yeah, and also it gives people much more of a, it's sort of like what's been a high we've been doing for the past uh, several months since the, the, uh, the quarantine lockdown, which is essentially having their mu uh, music uh, movies be released on demand rather than going to theaters because if there was right. a theater that's open right now chances are no one will be inside because they haven't really been taking care of that theater you know people might have been sick during that theater you know, that sort of thing mm -hmm. um, do you see you know is it possible at least in your opinion is it possible that theaters could actually be more mindful of that and using this platform zoom platform or maybe even a youtube platform mm -hmm. pay people in order to see this say hey you know and, and this is uh, and, and my previous guest and i had the same conversation where it's like hey you know it's similar to the previous conversation where it's like we can't have it at full capacity so <laughs> Why don't we just do like say a YouTube link where it's like we could just link the show into the thing and people will pay like the, the like say thirty dollars or maybe even forty dollars just to watch the show from from the comfort of their own home. So rather than being inside a theater for say like like two to maybe even three hours, especially if it's like a more socially distant theater or you know where people have to be more mindful of everything. Right, and I think that. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know how theaters will be changing, but they will have to change, I think, after this, at least for a little while, of how they are going to thrive in this, in this time period, whether that be by releasing on demand or 
by like what you said, which was I thought was a very great idea. That's very cool. Um, doing it by like show times and having people pay and then watching in their own homes or, you know, however they socially distance. But I do think that there will be a lot of changes to how we have been running for a while. Uh, now the Broadway league says the, uh, the quarantine lockdown is supposedly ending or at least by September or so, but they may have changed it to January. I'm not sure. Do you see, like, when do you see like shows actually resuming back to normal? Do you see it like happening? Ooh. Like maybe late, do you see it like happening next March or do you, do you see it like as soon as possible? Because I think for the most part, people will want to go back to normal and start seeing shows, even if it's going to be like, hey, I'm going to have to wear a mask inside the thing and just like eat like, oh, 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 like that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I, ooh, I, I really have no idea. I wish I had some kind of an answer there. But I think that information, new information is constantly circulating and coming out day by day that I don't think I could give an informed answer about when uh, I think theater is going to be going back to normal. It would, if it happened right away and there was no COVID spikes, that would be amazing. Um, it could also last quite a while, but yeah, I, I honestly have no idea. Yeah, if it was not COVID and if this was just like a regular Broadway strike, then, then, and then it would be just like a writer strike. We're just waiting for everybody just to say, hey, Sign on the dial line or something like that. But this yeah. is a way, way different world that we're living in right now. Uh, but in the foreseeable future, what can we expect from you? Um, so I've been performing a lot online uh, with Stonewall once a month. We've been doing things on Instagram Live or on Zoom. I just had a show a few days ago, which was really fun. Um, so I've been doing that. Hopefully once the Stonewall shows come back up and running, that'll be a thing I can do. Um, I'm currently working on a script that all takes place through Zoom and it's going to be a short film that's all taking place through Zoom. Yeah. Um, very excited to work on production for that where that is very much the center of the plot for it and talking about, you know, quarantine stories. And I have also been working on an ebook. Our first uh, book dropped June 1st and it was, it's called The Kaleidoscope Rebellion. It's different essays, recipes, poetry by several other very amazing women. Um, and I was lucky enough to be a part of that. And you can find that on thekaleidoscoperebellion.com. It's all essays talking about our different experiences during quarantine uh, and ways that we have kept, kept sane and shown love in a very strange time. So during this quarantine, you pretty much like wrote a book, like literally wrote a book. It's like, uh, so how did that come about? So my friend Danielle, who we have the same name, uh, she, this is her passion project and she brought on myself and some really talented women to write essays and poetry and all of these things about our experiences. Um, so I wrote two essays, um, some jokes, and some poetry for this uh, book. And it was a very exciting experience, not just writing and trying to get all of the crazy emotions that we're feeling right now out onto paper, which made it seem a lot more manageable, but meeting these girls you know, through social media and seeing how cool they were 
and just really connecting through our group chat and editing each other's work. And these are women that I had never met before. So it was like something very cool about that energy of just throwing yourself into a project where you never physically meet them face to face and you're just trusting them and they are so awesome and trustworthy. Uh, how is it actually working on a collaborative process like that, especially if you're kind of like collaborating over like Zoom and everything like that? Because I've been, because this past semester for my final class, for one of my final classes, it was essentially a devising class and we had to collaborate over Google Hangouts, Zoom, that sort of thing. So how was it, uh, how was it essentially collaborating over a platform like this? Was it a joyful experiences or was it experiences like, this is the type of thing I would have been doing if it was just uh, in a room somewhere with the other, uh, my other friends. I really liked it. I liked it because these are also, these are women that live all across the country. So this is almost a way that we were, were brought to work together that we probably never really would have been in the same room together at once. Um, so that was really exciting hearing all of their different experiences with quarantine, like some were even abroad, which was very cool to like, just, you know, be in this group text together and editing each other's documents online. Um, it was also a very individual experience in that we did write our own essays and our own experiences that we would put into the book. And it wasn't, it was very episodic in that way. Hmm. But reading each other's pieces and going in there and just really talking about the ultimate emotions and feelings we wanted to get across in this ebook was so cool. They, these girls were just absolutely incredible and so unique and inspiring and hearing them, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm getting cooler just by association. <laughs> that's, that, that is, that's great to know. And uh, in terms of your two essays, uh, could you share what you wrote or would you want us to actually buy the book and actually see it for yourselves to see what you actually wrote? Oh, I mean, I can definitely talk about what I wrote, but I would love okay. you guys got the book. Um, you can get it on the kaleidoscoperebellion.com. Um, but yes, the things that I talked about the most were I have isolated on my own for a lot of the quarantine and I was in Manhattan by myself. And I really wanted to work through my emotions of that and what it truly means to show love in the time of quarantine is basically the the concept of what i wrote about yeah, that's uh and a lot of people during quarantine have been doing self uh, isolation because they don't want to endanger a lot of people who they know their family members especially especially if they're so i do applaud you and for doing that, especially if it did, especially since, you know, I was like, I, as much as I, you know, I could see myself, I can't see myself essentially self-isolating for like long periods of time. I need to be around people because I need to be around my family and make sure, yeah, you know, my family is safe, that sort of thing. But in terms of the essays, I actually can't wait to see if I can read them. So, and that's not a plug for your books. I, she did not pay me money to say, hey, I'm going to go get them. It, it, it <laughs> so. But uh, I do have one question left, and it's a pretty straightforward question. Uh, do you have any advice for the people who are listening or 
watching right now? Yeah. Oh gosh, advice about about what? Like mm. just advice in performing arts because it, you know it's like just invite uh, advice in performing arts in general. Yes. Oh. Um. Honestly, like oh god, this cliche. I'm bad at this, <laughs> but like just freaking go for it. Like people are going to tell you like, don't do it. But like, if you want to do it, just like, go for it, you know, <laughs> do your thing. And also explore every facet of art and how you can produce that and how you can get your voice heard. Cause your voice deserves to be heard. Like, like I said earlier, every human has a million different worlds inside of their head. And that's so interesting to me and unique. And it's such a shame when people think that their worlds are not interesting enough to share because everyone's are. And I think that that's something so special about humanity is that everyone is special and which sounds like, you know, if everyone's special, then no one's special. But I just, I don't think that that's true. I really believe that that's one of the most magical things about people. Uh, oh, and another question that actually popped into my mind, Rush, is like, as you were just talking about that, uh, do you think, and I, I guess this is like the final, final, final question, unless I have another question that just pops in my mind. Uh, yeah. But do you think if there wasn't a global pandemic that would have that happened during this year, would people would be as productive as they would be now? Or would they just be like, right now, just like, eh, it's, you know, it's almost summer now. It's like, Summer 2020, my time now, or something like that. <laughs> oh gosh, you know, I, I have no idea. This, there's especially been days, like, like I made it sound so artistic, but there were definitely weeks during quarantine where I was just like Netflix all day, just like not doing it, like not able to motivate myself to do much of anything. And I think it's important to note that that is okay. That because we, we are literally, it is not necessarily a pause or a break. Like we are in the midst of a global pandemic and that amount of stress on a person can really just mess with you. You know, time seems to move so slowly and so quickly at once. So while I was, I was very lucky to have very creative bursts, there were also times where I was just like <laughs> laid out. So um, it's interesting. I, I don't know, but I think that something that is coming out of this is a softening, hopefully, and an empathy that we've always had with this, but are able to explore more now for our fellow human. Yeah, and I, and again, not to be the elephant in the room, but with the protests that's been happening for a month past, like month or so, I feel like what you just said that like there was this opening up, like there's more people being more empathetic towards everybody now and now people are becoming a lot more essentially caring towards each other and, and feeling a lot more of a general hey it's like a general hey i got you don't worry about that it's like if this person yeah. is bugging you i got you all right it's like, it's like and calling, people out, calling out the systematic racism and injustice in this country is something that i am so proud to see currently that we are fighting for justice for those who were murdered um, just the fact that people are saying black lives matter and that it's gotten so much traction that it's not just this thing that like people sometimes post on social media but then don't really follow up with it 
I've seen so much action from my peers of, yes, of course, they're posting on social media, but also following suit with action to help those Black lives and letting them know that they not only matter, but they are loved and they are precious and they are valuable and they always will be. Exactly. And on that note, I think that'll be a great note to end on. Yeah. So, so Danielle, thank you for your time for doing that. Oh, and before we go, go again, uh, one last thought. Do you have any social medias you want to plug? Oh, yes. Um, so my Instagram is odannyboy, O-H and then underscore D-A-N-I underscore B-O-I. Um, that's my Instagram and TikTok. Uh, which I use a TikTok for a lot of my little comedic ventures and Instagram for more of like my music ventures. Um, yeah, those are, those are my two, my two go-to. And with that, this has been episode six of Performing in the Arts. My name is Brian M. Davis. I've been your friendly neighborhood host. <laughs> please stay safe and please enjoy this. Uh, please enjoy the, the I've your, been your host, Brian M. Davis. Please enjoy the rest of your day or a night whenever you listen to this. So, yeah, take care, everyone. Stay safe and enjoy your lives.